This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids. The podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside a real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Kanya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Today's episode, we are talking about something that I know every single one of us has thought about at least once or twice, some of us probably way more than that. Oh, absolutely. What problem are we solving today? Do animals have feelings? Do animals have feelings? Oh, yes, I have wondered this, especially about my dog. So who is our guest today, Jeff? Today we're talking to the right person to get an answer. Our guest today is Dr. Carl Safina. He is an ecologist and well-known author of books on our relationship with the natural world. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thanks so much. It's really a pleasure to be here. It's fun already. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> You're having tons of fun. And that's what we're going to do during the show. So I like to always ask, did you always love animals even as a kid? Yes, very much so even as a kid. I was a city kid. There weren't a lot ah. of animals around, but I loved watching the pigeons in the city, <laughs> loved going to the zoo. Okay. I loved going yeah. to the Museum of Natural History and to the aquarium. Uh, and I even started raising homing pigeons when I was seven years old. Oh, what? wow. That's wow. Seven. Wow. That jumps right into my question of, did you, if you said yes to Jen's first question, I was going to ask, did you have a favorite animal yeah. when you were a kid? But if you already started with the homing pigeons, let's take it a little older. Did you either continue to have the same type of animal as a pet, or did you really want to start studying a certain animal when you were younger? I didn't really understand anything about studying animals or <laughs> okay. you know, being a yeah. scientist at that time. But when I was 10, we moved to the suburbs. We had okay. grass and a yard for the uh, first time. Wow. And I got a dog and started to have some other some other kinds of pets, so and, you know, <laughs> okay. certainly usual, like a uh, pet bunny rabbit. Ah, <laughs> yes, Things like that. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. We had a bunny. We had I had gerbils. We had fish. Right, dogs. Never a cat, but all of those different things. So, what did you learn about your animals? Did you like train them or observe them or anything, or just have fun with them? All of those things. Ah. I think that the main thing that I saw, feelings, they have desires, they they raise families, like we raise families, you know, even my pigeons raised families. They had a mom and dad <laughs> and they had babies and they took care of them. Oh wow. Okay. That, that had to be fun to watch, I think. That would be cool. 
It was extremely fun. Yeah. And we would let them out every day and they would go and get a lot of exercise and then they would come right back to their home. Oh, wow. That's cool. Nice. Okay. So we kind of skipped over it. I want to, and my, it was my own question, but I want to jump back. Homing pigeons. Did you actually send them out to other places and then they would come back to you? Well, the way that works is you don't send them anywhere. Okay. But if you take them somewhere, they will go home. And they will will go home from hundreds of miles away. Wow, really? Yeah. But I just let them out and let them go wherever they wanted to go. And then they would return. Once in a while, we would take them with us to visit one of our relatives, you know, my aunt's somewhere and bring a pigeon or two and let them write a little note and attach it to the leg. And (laughs) No kidding. And I'd send it home. Yeah. I had a pigeon. I put a note on its, his leg saying that we were at Aunt Nina's and please lock the coop. Uh, and I sent, I sent that pigeon to my uncle Mike, who was who was home taking care of our pigeons. Oh my gosh! And I assume he got it and then knew what to do, right? Right. That's, That's awesome. Excellent. That sounds like so much fun to do when you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, your love of animals followed you kind of throughout your life. Although I think as you got older, you expanded more animals that you were interested. Right? I oh think yeah. You went. Like you've been out in the ocean, so whales and all kinds of ocean creatures too? Yeah, I started training hawks and getting involved with rescuing and rehabilitating injured wildlife. And and then I slowly started to learn something about what does it mean to do research on birds? Most most did research on birds, yeah. Okay. And so I actually don't want to skip over that. Talk to our listeners a little bit who like animals. What does it mean to do research about a particular animal? The first thing I got involved in doing when I was in high school is I learned about a guy who was studying how birds migrate, where they go. And so he would go to the beach where the birds were migrating along the beach because they didn't want to fly out over the ocean and would set up nets that the little birds would get caught in and then we would put numbered leg bands on them so that other people involved in the same study all along the coast, all down the coast, might catch some of them again and know where they were and how fast it took them to get to the next place where they were caught. So that was the first thing that I did. Okay. And then the second thing I did was with seabirds called terns mm-hmm. that nest ah. in, in colonies, like by the hundreds or thousands, also on the beaches, because I live on the coast, on the East Coast, ah. Long Island, New York. And we would go from nest to nest. They nest on the ground. Right. We would see how many eggs, first of all, how many pairs are here? How many eggs are they laying? And then we would come back, how many eggs are hatching? Right. Many of the young ones are surviving this year compared to last year. Okay. And how fast are they growing? We would weigh them and measure them and, and get an idea of all of that kind of stuff. So that was another kind of thing that I studied. Wow. So did you were you able to capture the birds yourself to weigh them? I'm like, how did you weigh oh, well, them? Well, the little the little ones were not flying. So we would just walk around and pick them up. Oh, okay. 
and the bigger ones we could put like a cage kind of a thing over their nest and they they would go in to sit on their eggs and then oh. we'd be in the cage at that point and we would we'd be able to come and pick them up and also put the leg bands on them and you know weigh them and see if they were you know well fed and you right. know, getting getting enough food because it varies from year to year so that's the kind of thing we were looking at Oh, yeah. Well, and that probably tells you something about the environment that they're in, too, and the ecosystem where they can support them. And is that what you're you're doing that for? Yeah. Yeah. So did you find that the ecosystem changed every year or where was a trend or anything like that? It sort of took those studies another step further. And I wanted to see where these seabirds are finding all the little fish. Oh, eating. Okay. I found that the little fish are often chased to the surface by bigger fish that are trying to eat them from below. And then the terns can dive and catch them from above. But what I started to realize was that the bigger fish were getting to be fewer and fewer every year. And that led me to realize how much overfishing was going on and how we were actually depleting the fish in the sea by by too many people catching too much and having not enough regulations and limits on how much they could catch so that the fish could instead of declining and being depleted they could remain you know stable wow so that got me into working on trying to get better regulations and better limits to let the fish recover Right. The low numbers that they were at when I realized all of that. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. This is truly a connect the dots puzzle that you're working on because you were researching birds on a beach, raising their families. And this led you all the way to not just their feed fish, but the larger predator fish that were feeding on them. Is it ever a struggle to not let a research project like this sort of become a rabbit hole where you end (laughs) up going down too many avenues or too far down the wrong one? Well, you don't want to go down any wrong ones, but every question should get an answer that leads you to another question. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's how the world expands and your work gets, you know, more useful over time. And everything stays interesting and and hopefully important to a certain degree anyway. (laughs) Yes, that's fair. I would say that you've achieved that, definitely. So we want to also want to ask you about is you have an amazing TED talk about how animals think. So kind of where did you start with that? Like, how did you learn or theorize what animals think about? I really started in the pigeon coop when I was seven years old, just Uh, watching them. And it was obvious to me that their lives were in many ways very similar to ours, that they were choosing who they were going to mate with, that they were doing their best to keep their babies alive. And that, you know, in the broad strokes, they weren't really that much different, even though in a lot of ways, they seem different. Yes. But they knew who they were because they knew who they were with. They knew where their home mm. was. They had lives and they always tried to stay alive, you know, and to, and take care of their young ones. And that's where it really started. But then of course I got involved with lots of other animals and I also started running into 
a lot of people who think that animals can't feel anything and don't think anything. Oh. And people have said that for a long time. And, you know, so I wanted to point out in some detail how and why they really do have feelings and they really do have yes. some thoughts and how they really try very hard to survive and stay alive like all of us. Yes, that's very true, I think. <laughs> so for all of us out here that aren't quite as experienced with the variety of animals that you are, how can we be better, for lack of a better phrase, be better in tuned to that with all of the animals around us, whether they're our pets or animals outside? Well, with pets, you know, I would just say everything likes to feel well and not yes. be afraid and not be stressed. Yes. Okay. And yes. tries to be comfortable and not confined and be able to have some freedom of movement, you know. And if you just treat your your pets, dogs or cats, or maybe you have a parakeet or a cockatiel or something like that, with that kind of consideration that in that way, they want things that are similar to what we all want and just be kind to them, that'll get you far. Yeah. As far as outdoors, one of the easiest things to do is put up a bird feeder and yes, to okay. know mm -hmm. all of the different birds that will come in whatever neighborhood you are in. Because most people are totally unaware of what's around them. And a bird feeder is a good way to start to see what's around and to learn a little bit about who our living wild neighbors are. Another thing is if you can if you have a backyard where you can plant something or even a terrace where you can plant something, try to plant some native plants that normally, yeah. you know, naturally live in the region because there are different bugs that are specialists in native plants. And yep. right. Yes. What do birds feed their babies? Almost every bird feeds their babies bugs. So the more bugs we have, a lot of people say oh, they don't like bugs, you know, but the more bugs we have around, the yeah. better it is for all of the things that live there. One of the things that we started doing a couple of years ago was not mowing our lawn for about three quarters of the summer. Oh, nice. Okay. It looks nicely scraggly and raggedy, but, That's the, okay. but the thing is, we now have a lot of fireflies. <gasps> oh my god. That has made a big difference. I love fireflies. Right. Who doesn't? Yeah, right? I mean, that's those are some of my best memories. I grew up in central Illinois and I remember going out at night and you know, you'd capture them in, in the jar and then of course you'd let them free. But they were so much fun to run around with. Yes, I live in the land of manic manicured lawns, unfortunately, which I'm not a fan of, but our backyard is fenced in. So we've, my husband and I have been talking about letting the backyard, which no one would see, yep. grow, and you wouldn't have to spray it or anything like that. Oh, um, well, that's another thing. You know, I never use any pesticides because that's poisoning your whole area. You know, it's yes. everything, poisoning everybody that lives around the house. It's very, very common that people do that. And it's very, very nasty. Yes, I agree. So I guess if I tell you that we have a great Pyrenees dog, Sasha, and I swear this dog could talk to me, right? Like she, the, her face was so expressive that you could kind of see her look at you. 
she'd cock her head sideways and all that kind of stuff. So you would not think that I was crazy if I said that my dog would talk to me like that, huh? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> we have three dogs and one of them is very, very vocal. Oh, yes, she was too. lets you know exactly when she wants your attention and what she wants your attention for. Oh, yes. Yes. I also had one dog who every night at 5 p.m., I don't know how she knew, she'd come in and stand and bark at you like it is time to be fed. Yes. Well, that happened to me just tonight. (laughs) Well, there you go. So listen to your pets, everybody. They are talking to you. (laughs) So, Carl, you have experience with a broad range of animals and something Jen just mentioned kind of leads me to a different question of, We were talking about how animals think and feel. I have learned a lot about how humans have a circadian rhythm of we are meant to live on a 24-hour schedule. Do animals have that as well? Do they have a typical what their body is expecting in a day? Like Jen was just saying and your dog's on, like they know when it's time to get fed? Well, yes, of course. And really it's other animals because we got our circadian rhythm from our ancestors and i don't Ah. mean human ancestors i mean our deep 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 evolutionary yes yeah basically all animals have daily rhythms of various kinds okay Mm -hmm. yeah some stay up at night some kind of are middle of the day some are all day all of the different things it's one of the reasons why we go walking at night of course and we see more frogs out right or toads that also because if it rains they come out but we always have to be careful if it's dark at night and we're walking because i don't want to step on any of these frogs that are hopping across the side you don't want to do that do you (laughs) that would be bad well i want to ask you about some of the animals that you've, you've rescued too can you tell us about any of those yeah when i was in my early 20s i got involved with a few people who mostly at that time they were rescuing water birds like ducks and geese Ah, and egrets and things like that that had gotten oil on them from oil spills Ah, and we would clean them all up and some of them of course would die some of them were not too badly oiled and could Mm -hmm. be cleaned and when they got better we would release them sometimes we would get some other things like hawks or owls And very recently, somebody brought to me a baby screech owl that was found on their lawn. It was almost dead. It was very, very young. It was nowhere near old enough to leave the nest. Oh, wow. Uh, We took care of that bird. In fact, I just saw her right before I I got online to do this interview with you. She has been- She's been living in our backyard for five years. Oh, wow. No kidding. And she still knows us very well. She's not afraid of us, but she has had a wild family and she has raised 10 young owls. Oh, wow. No kidding. And it's been just fantastic. And I I wrote a whole book about her that just came Mm -hmm. out last month. That book is called Alfie and Me because we named her Alfie. Oh, that's beautiful. So did you get to see some of her offspring too? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. We we were watching them for many, many hours a day because her first free year was the first year of all the COVID shutdowns. And so I had a lot of time <laughs> to watch them. <laughs> okay. So you just mentioned that Alfie has 
10 offspring. How do you know it was how do you know it was 10? Or is that over the because years you just counted I how can, many have I can count to 10. <laughs> when I got to 10, there were no more babies. There you go. Forgive me. I was thinking it was all at once, and somehow you got a peek into the nest. But if this well, is over I, several years. If I want to peek into the nest, I get on a ladder and look into the nest. Ah. But okay. that's over four years, 10 over four years. Okay. okay. That's cool. And I'm curious. So you rehabilitated her, you know, so she was doing yes. well. And then you released her. So did she choose then to come back and nest by you because yeah, you had the, the you were familiar cool th- to her? Yes. The very cool thing is that she disappeared for a week and ah. was not around. She was okay. definitely not around, but we left food out and it stayed there. She was not okay. around. Okay. And then she came back and she decided our yard was good for her. And she oh, stayed there the whole time. And I put up a nest box, this kind of owl called screech owl. They nest usually in hollow trees, but you can, okay. you can make a box that they might like. And I did, and they did. And that's where she has had her nest each of the years she has nested. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, that's I love wonderful. that. I love what that. A great story. So you just mentioned that you wrote a book about this one, Alfie and Me, that recently came out. But in doing some research on Mr. Carl, everybody, he's written a lot of books and they're not all about the same animal. When you wrote your first book, can you tell us what animal it was about and why you chose that one to be your first book? Well, it was about three different kinds of animals the first animal in that book was a giant fish called the bluefin tuna. Wow. Okay. Weigh over 1,000 pounds. Holy cow. And migrate wow. clear across the ocean. Wow. And a lot of people are very intent on catching them and eating them. They think they mm-hmm. taste really delicious and they pay huge amounts of money for them. So that's yes, the first thing that wow. my first book was about. And then this, the middle part of that book was about the salmon that run up the rivers to lay their eggs right. on and how they really need clean rivers and what's been happening to their rivers that makes life much harder for them. And then the last part of that book was about coral reefs. Uh-huh. Ah, all, yes. all the things living on coral reefs and all the things that people are basically like to catch and like to consume that live on coral reefs. Uh, Okay. So I have a question for you. If a kid is interested in kind of becoming a biologist or helping animals or rescuing animals, what advice would you give them? Like, where would they start? By going outside and getting familiar with what lives around. Yeah. A bird feeder, like I said, going for walks along a stream or in the woods, and then maybe seeing if there is a wildlife rehabilitation group near you and maybe getting involved with that, doing some volunteer work. And just, you know, like I just spent a lot of time outside, just doing things that kept me outside. There are bird watching groups. There are, you know, a lot of different things to do and just doing a lot of things alone or finding one friend who's interested in, you know, maybe walking around in the woods or going camping or 
Well, when I was a city kid, I liked to go to the zoo. My parents brought me to the zoo, maybe pestering your parents to ah, bring you some <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. I like that. So again, I'm fascinated with the variety of animals that you've had experience with. Is there an animal on the planet that you have not yet had an experience with that you would like to? Is there something on Carl's like wish list or dream list <laughs> for a next big project? Well, you know, that is a really good question <laughs> because I have lived my dream in a lot of ways. And mm. okay. um, I think I would like to spend a lot more time in the Arctic ah. and, oh. and in the Amazon rainforest. And I've been to both of those places. I'd like to spend a lot more time. Wow. Okay. Is there a favorite creature or something that you found in both of those places that intrigues you? Or is it just the environment oh, itself? Pretty much everything. everything. <laughs> pretty much everything. <laughs> but there is one. I still have one major animal on my bucket list, as they oh. say. That okay. I've come near to seeing on a few occasions, and I've never seen, and that is mountain lion. Oh. Ah, okay. okay. So when you say you've come near to seeing it, how do you know you were near? Was it fresh tracks? Somebody else around you saw it? Yeah, both of those things. Fresh tracks ah. on, on a few occasions. And then on one occasion, somebody in the group that I was with, oh. but I wasn't with them at that moment. Oh, and, wow. And missed seeing one. Gotcha. Oh, okay. They're pretty amazing animals. Of course, I mean, you've seen lots of amazing animals, but yeah, I think that would be so cool just to go out to, of course, these different environments and experience all of that. It is um, very cool, you know, and I've seen and been around an awful lot of extremely cool animals in yes. very, very cool places. Yes. But I also love just sitting outside my back door and watching the Blue Jays trying to figure out. Is this a family of blue jays? How do they know one another? They're beautiful. They are really interesting. You can put peanuts out there and watch them take the peanut and bring it a short distance away and hide it and then come right back. And then later on, <laughs> they'll move them all. And everything, you know, you can go far away and see very interesting and amazing animals, but they don't all live far away. They all live someplace. And the animals yes. where we live are also amazing. Yes, right. that's very true. So can you tell us more about your book about Alfie and where everybody can find it? Oh, well, you can certainly find it any place that people sell books okay. or, or online. If a store does not have it, they can order it. And as I said, it's called Alfie and Me. And next year, there'll be a kid's version Oh, or cool. pretty young, pretty young kids. Yeah. An illustrated book. It's going to be called Owls in the Yard. And it will have a, a lot of photographs and a few paintings in there. And oh, it wow. tells the same story about Alfie, but aimed at a much lower age level than this book is. Nice. Oh, that'll be really cool and exciting for people to look at. All right, everybody go check that out. This has been so fun. But we are at that point in the show where we asked our guests to give our listeners a challenge. Do you have a challenge for everyone, Carl? Yeah, I think it would be good if people spent some time outside 
and made a list of the birds that they see. And Ooh, of course, ah. you'll, you'll see birds you don't know. So then you have to figure out what are those. <laughs> and the, yes. The easiest way to do that is with a bird guide, a field okay. guide, a book. And there are online things you can get ebooks. There's a lot of things that you can get. And there's a fantastic app called Merlin, M E R L I N, which can identify for you. It's really like really cheating. Identify for <laughs> you a bird that is singing or calling. So oh, wow. you may not know what they are. And this app will tell you based on their voice what it is. I'm totally going to do that. We have a bird that comes to our house about this time every year. And I heard it this morning and I'm dying to know what it is. I'm going to go do that. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation, Carl. I've learned so much about animals and thinking about them and how they think and feel too. Thank you so much for being on Solve It for Kids. Thank All right, you, Carl. Well, it was really fun to be with both of you. And I, <laughs> and I really appreciate you having me on tonight. Of course. And just like that, we now know a little bit more about what those animals that we love, like whether it's Jen and your pet and your puppy, or, you know, whether it's you don't have pets and there's other people's animals around, what may be going through their minds? Yeah, exactly. And I love how there's so many different animals to look at and think about. And then we right. talked about birds and you know, I'm really getting into birds because they're so beautiful. But we've had so many guests on talking about them. And I was like, oh, these are pretty cool animals, right? Yes, you definitely start to notice them more. Yeah. Which leads right into Dr. Carl's challenge of go outside and identify the birds that are in your area. Which great. is going to be great because I'm in Colorado. I have different birds than Jennifer in Jacksonville, yeah. Florida. And all of you listeners will have some different birds in your area i love the additional add-on of go to the library and get a guidebook or a field book from your library about birds so that you can flip through and identify exactly what species of bird that you're finding yes oh definitely that would be tons of fun and if you find some birds and you have a list of birds that you want to share with us we would love to hear from you so be sure to tag us on our social media we are at kids solve at facebook x and instagram and don't forget to check out our website solveforkids.com where we'll have a bunch of information about dr carl but also some book recommendations and birds that maybe you should look for in your neighborhood that sounds terrific. Yeah. Well, I need to go outside and look for some birds. I don't know about you, Jen. So Sounds good. Next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve, Solve It for Kids. Kids.